have you come to destroy us? Those are the words of the possessed man in the gospel when Jesus comes to him. Have you come to destroy us? And I think sometimes human beings, when, <clears throat> when Christ gets close to them, it's almost as if we have that same reaction. Have you come to destroy my life? Have you come to upend my life? Have you come to change my life? Am I... I don't know about you, but this is kind of the, the, the vision I had when I was younger. Like, if I follow Jesus, basically I just got to like be a loser and pray all day. <clears throat> that was my, my vision of what it meant to be a zealous Catholic. I know, it was terrible. It was just not a good vision. And so I had these same sentiments. Have you come to destroy me? I know who you are. I know who you are. Jesus will take things away. I do promise you that. If you let him into your life, he will take things away. But he's only going to take away the things that are not good for you. If you look at the possessed man, right? Is something taken away from him? Yes. The demonic is taken away from him. And out of that comes a new way of living for this man. In, in Mel Gibson's The Passion, one of my favorite lines in that movie comes from my favorite scene from that movie, which I think is everybody's favorite scene. If you've seen the movie, when Mary is, Jesus is carrying his cross and he falls and Mary sees him fall and she has that flashback to when he's a little kid running and he falls and like skins his knee, right? And she takes off running and like falls down onto the ground and grabs him and says, I'm here. And my favorite line of the movie is Jesus grabs her face, just, I mean, disfigured, beaten, crowned, bloodied, grabs her face and he says, behold, mother, I make all things new. And then lifts up the cross and keeps, I, every time I, I see that scene, something just comes alive in me because he does make things new. When you live for him, it's a new way of living. It's a simpler way of living. It's, it's a, it, things become brighter and lighter and it's just different. And so it seems to me, right? It seems to me that there are two types of lives we, we live. We have the life that we, we want to live, who we want to be, and then we have who we are. And these two just wrestle against each other like our entire lives. But it's a good, we're in good company. If you remember St. Peter, right? St. Peter, the, the prince of the apostles. This is the man who said, Jesus, I will die for you. And five hours later, he says, I don't know who this guy is. You want to talk about a, a broken person, a fragmented humanity. I mean, Peter, at the same time, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Like four verses later, get behind me, Satan. This guy was all over the place. The man who's possessed in, 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 the, in the gospel. Notice how he speaks. Jesus of Nazareth, he says, we know who you are. Have you come to destroy us? There is a possessed man in another gospel where Jesus says, what is your name? And he says, Legion. Because there are many of us. There is somebody in the Gospels that does come to destroy your life. And Jesus says it very clearly. 
It's the demonic. Jesus has come, he says, so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Sin, you guys, the nature of sin is to divide us. It divides us from one another. It divides us from God. And it creates this rift inside of us between who we are and who we want to be. And the more we enter into sin, the further that rift gets and the more fragmented we get. And if you combine isolation, which this culture is all about, and fragmentation of your mind, you have the the perfect recipe for despair. I was just given an article this last week. One-fourth of 18 to 25-year-olds considered suicide during the pandemic. You guys, 25% of America's 18 to 25-year-olds considered suicide during the past six months. We need hope. My gosh, do we need hope. A hope far beyond this world. I hope far beyond our healthcare system and our economy and our politics and our government. That's what's causing the despair. This last week, I don't know if you know this, but this last week was the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas. A giant, a giant in the Catholic Church. Maybe, I, I would argue, maybe the smartest mind ever in the history of our faith. Maybe one of the smartest men to ever live. But even this giant of the intellectual life needed help. He needed a guide. He needed somebody to teach him the depths of the faith. And he found a man named Albert the Great. St. Albert the Great was one of the smartest men of his time. I went to school for far too long. And I only got a master's degree. St. Albert the Great had his doctorate in biology, chemistry, physics, astronomy, geography, metaphysics, mathematics, theology, and scripture. That makes me feel like a moron. (laughs) This guy was a genius. And he took Thomas Aquinas under his wing. For 10 years, he taught him. And all the other kids that were in the class made fun of Thomas. They called him the dumb ox. Interesting to know that even in the Middle Ages, kids still made fun of each other. The dumb ox, you know why they call him the dumb ox? Because he was overweight, he was awkward, and he didn't speak well. But Albert the Great saw something in him. Albert the Great loved him and taught him. And he said this, you call him the dumb ox, but I declare to you, He will yet bellow so loud in Catholic doctrine that his voice will resound through the whole world, through the centuries of the church. Thomas Aquinas is one of the greatest minds ever, but he doesn't become a doctor of the church without St. Albert the Great. In short, he does not become who he is without Catholic education. Teenagers and children need to be instructed in the faith. They need it at home, and they need it in school. If we think an hour a week of faith formation is is good enough, we're insane. Our faith formation program is grossly outmatched. Grossly outmatched by the power propaganda in the agenda of the modern culture. We just can't compete. My dear parents, your kids are being formed in a culture that is dangerous. And I think you know this. 
A culture where marriage and love have been redefined from self-sacrifice to selfishness. Where remarriage and divorce is considered the norm. Where death and destruction of human dignity is everywhere. A culture of lust and pornography. A culture of pleasure and money is the highest pursuit. A culture where 25% of 18 to 25 year olds want to kill themselves. That's what our kids are living in right now. Our kids are dying. And if we think an hour a week is going gonna, is gonna to fix this, what are we thinking? Our children need a place where daily they are encouraged in the truth. Daily they get to encounter Jesus Christ. In short, we need Catholic education. And I believe the parents who are seriously concerned about their child's well-being ought to consider Catholic education. We have one of the greatest gifts here. It has been here for over a century. And God willing, it will be here for many more. We have teachers who, like St. Albert the Great, care for each individual kid. I've seen it. Even the hardest ones, we don't give up on. And daily, we encourage them in the faith. The public education system in America is broken. It's broken. Not the teachers, not the students. The system is broken. They can't even, you guys, they can't even talk about Jesus in the classroom. I have a buddy who teaches in the public system. He was talking to me the other night and he's like, Father, I try, but I can't even say his name. What's so bad about his name? What's so dangerous about the name of Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? That's an emphatic yes from Jesus to the demonic. Over this past year, you guys, we have seen this program working. For the first time in over a decade, we are increasing in numbers. We are increasing in numbers. And I beg you all who are here to consider the opportunity we have at our school. Maybe you don't have kids in the system anymore. You can adopt a kid. I'm not talking like adopt a, you don't want to adopt. I'm talking about adopt a student. And you can pay for them so that they can go to school. Last year, I think we had 10 families that stepped up to pay for 10 families that couldn't afford it. And if you can't afford it, we'll find a way. I don't know how, but we'll find a way. Maybe your kids are grown and gone. You can pray for our mission. You can leave part of your estate to the school so that we can continue to build the endowment so we can offset our costs for those who can't pay. But most of all, you can send your kids we don't know what the next years are going to bring to America. We don't know what the next years are going to do to the Catholic Church and the Catholic education system. And so the best thing we can do right now is build it up like it's never been built up before. So that we have strength in our numbers. And so that we can prove to the secular world that we are better. That we do form the entire person and that means something. My friends, I am begging you. I am begging you to help you to help us build this mission. We live in a busy world. Let us help. Let us help. We want to help. 
And I hope that you see the gift that we have in our school and in all the schools in the area. Catholic education is necessary. St. Joseph, you who taught the Son of God, who protected and provided for him, we beg you to intercede for us and give us insights that we need to make our school a beacon of light in this world of darkness. This school has provided for so many for over a century. May we continue this legacy far into the future as we continue to form the hearts and minds of young boys and girls to be leaders in our community and saints in this life. Amen.